Hello, and welcome to the Dissing My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker, certified professional coach and owner of Vitality Career Coaching. For this episode, I am really excited to introduce a very, very close friend of mine. In fact, I consider her family. Uh, We've known each other so long. We had been talking about something that's very close for both of us and near and dear to both of our hearts. We got into a conversation about mental health, and that's when I invited my friend on, and fortunately, she agreed. I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today because I think it's a very important one. So without further ado, I would like to introduce the audience to my very close friend, April Alexander. Welcome. Well, thank you, Ken. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. As he said, we've known each other for a very long time. I'm not going to say how long. Uh, I will say that I think Wilson Phillips was on the top of the charts. So that should give you kind of an idea. <laughs> Actually, I think it might have been after we met, but well, yeah, we, don't need to go. Right. we don't need to go there. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. Yeah, you guys have an idea. So yes, as he was saying, we were discussing mental health. We had a really good conversation the other day, and he and I discussed this a lot. I have been experiencing generalized anxiety disorder since I was 19 years old, and it's something that you know affects me daily. It can come in waves. It can be very minor or it can be absolutely debilitating. Um, I just thank you for inviting me on the show so we can have a conversation about it. Yes. Thank you for coming on. One of the things that, I mean, you and I have talked about a lot about this kind of stuff because we both suffer from similar conditions. We both have anxiety and, you know, I suffer from clinical depression, something I've had a long time. Mental health in in and of itself is something that people don't discuss openly enough, I don't think. Granted, the dial's moving in the right direction over the last few years. But I think on an individual level, there's a sense of embarrassment, a sense of shame. And you just kind of want to, speaking for myself here, hide because you don't want to feel the way that you feel because it, it, it doesn't feel good. Yes. Well, and I was going to say, it doesn't, it's hard to admit, uh, not only to yourself, but to your loved ones, um, because there is such a stigma around it and there isn't a good conversation about it. Um, we focus mostly on, mostly on physical health and mental health tends to fall through the cracks and you see it every day. And it's something that I think was ignored for so long because it's invisible that people were just afraid to talk about it because they thought that they were alone and they were the only ones experiencing this and they were, you know, quote unquote, not strong enough to deal with it. Yeah, there was, you know, I think there still is to a large degree that nobody wants to be labeled, oh, they're crazy, you know, and I, I hate that word, but there's still sort of that attitude out there in large swaths of society that if you have any sort of mental illness, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, whether it be bipolar disorder, any number of conditions that you're going to be labeled as crazy or something like that. And that only adds to the sense of shame and the sense of that you have to hide. And that prevents people from getting the treatment and the help that really could can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. I was diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety disorder when I was 19, Um, and it was adult onset. I never experienced it as a child, 
And um, I was experiencing a lot of change at 19. I was uh, going to school in Texas. I was out there by myself. I was a music major and had discovered that I didn't want to do music as a career for the rest of my life, but I was out there on a music scholarship. So, you know, it, it caused me to question a lot of things in my life, including my identity. And somehow during this time, anxiety creeped in and started becoming part of my everyday life. And I was scared because I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I, we didn't have those conversations growing up. It wasn't something that you heard about in the media much at that time. Finally, in desperation, I made an appointment with the local therapist on campus. And I was able to finally talk to somebody and explore these feelings that I was having um, when I thought I was losing my mind and I was very much alone. But it still took me several years to admit that I needed more than just therapy, that I also needed um, medical treatment for it. But it was something that was very hard for me to admit and hard to come to terms with. And I think that that is one of our biggest problems in society is it's okay to say that you're not okay. And that's Absolutely. something that has only uh, come to the forefront recently, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just as a testament to how long I've known you, I remember that period, you know, I remember when you went to school out in Texas. And I remember how, you know, as your friend and someone who cares about you deeply, as your friend, you felt withdrawn, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was like, as I didn't know about that you had anxiety for years and I was one of your closest friends or I am mm -hmm. one of your closest friends. Yes. And so similar to my own situation, had no idea I had anxiety for a very, very, very long time until, in fact, I was diagnosed as clinically depressed back in the 2000s, but anxiety didn't get diagnosed until after I encountered my disability because it got so intense that it's like I would throw up if I was in a crowd. And so, and yes. so obviously that, that, that was a significant change. Sometimes we don't know where these, why we feel the way we feel. And so without having these kind of conversations out in the open to where people are like, oh, I identify with that. That's, I feel that way sometimes by having these discussions out in the open where people can feel seen and heard. And that at some point in most people's lives, I think something is going to happen, whether it be trauma, whether it be the death of a loved one, whatever happens, some period of point in, in, in their life, they're going to need some sort of help, whether Absolutely. it be from clergy, whether it be from a therapist, whether it be a counselor, from somebody. As you and I have talked about many, 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 many times, I think the world would benefit if everyone had therapy at least a little bit in their life. Yes, I completely <laughs> agree. I mean, I love my therapist and I am, it's amazing how much better I feel, even if we, you know, touch on things that are difficult to face, you know, it gives me the tools to be able to function and function better on a daily basis. And more people, if they had access to a therapist, I think we would see a huge change in this country um, and, you know, make this a national conversation about mental health. It affects me, not just me, but um, what I do for a living. I'm in human resources and it's hard to have anxiety disorder when you're in the people business because yeah. <laughs> you, you don't always feel like seeing people. Oh yeah. Um, you don't feel like talking to people. And 
what it's allowed me to do, it's been a blessing in disguise because I have empathy. It has helped develop my emotional intelligence because I'm able to see others when they're struggling and recognize it where, you know, if you have an employee and they've been an excellent, excellent employee and suddenly they're, they're not showing up to work on time, their productivity goes down. They start missing a lot of work, you know, rather than chalk it up to laziness or, Oh, they just don't want to be here. Ask the question, dig a little deeper. Are you okay? Is everything okay at home? How can we help you want to come to work and enjoy what you do and feel safe here? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredibly important because something's going on that caused that to happen. If you show up and you chastise somebody for, oh, well, here's the consequences of of your action, that only adds to that anxiety that whatever is going on, it only makes it that much worse. And, you know, something that often happens, especially, you know, with depression or with a loss of a loved one or any number of things that can happen just in our normal lives, our mental health isn't something that's kind of, it's not static. It doesn't stay the same. It goes up, it goes down, there's peaks and valleys. If we're afraid to have those conversations and address it in a way that is compassionate and constructive, being in HR, if the person, say a different person in HR, you have an employee that shows up and the situation you explained basically, mm-hmm. where they're, you know, somebody who had been a really high performer, all of a sudden they're not showing up, their production is down, whatever it might be. And you have somebody bring them into the office and they write them up instead of saying, hey, you know, we have this benefit plan that's part of our insurance for mental health. Exactly. The difference that that can make in somebody's life is like, it's almost black and white. Absolutely. I mean, you, when you reach out and you're compassionate and you try to put yourself in their shoes, you know, you're able to offer them a solution rather than punishing them. You know, and like you said, it's mental health has peaks and valleys. There's nothing linear about it. I think with the recent uh, COVID pandemic, we're seeing a lot of mental health issues at the forefront um, because people were isolated for almost two years. And that adds to anxiety, social anxiety. You know, suddenly people don't want to leave their houses anymore and they don't want to be out in public or they've craved that for so long and it started to affect them and where they're suffering from depression and they no longer feel like doing the things that they used to enjoy. And I think that that's one thing we need to look at, especially in the workforce is, you know, we're in the middle of the great resignation and companies are looking on uh, better ways to retain their employees. And one of those ways is to offer that mental health benefit. You can, you know, offer them three free visits, eight free visits, whatever you can afford. Make sure that mental health is included in their overall benefit package, because I think if people had access to it, they would utilize it a lot more. I agree. And I think oftentimes people are unaware that it's a benefit yes. as well, because I know, you know, insurance is on a state-by-state basis or whatever, but I think from a, a, an overall standpoint, I think most insurance plans have some type of benefit for it, at least even if it's just a tiny one to for mental health, because I think it's mandated by um, the Affordable Care Act. I'd have mm-hmm. to double check on that, but I, I, you would know better than I do. Go circling back to 
how it kind of has a you know affected um, you on an individual level. How has the anxiety sort of manifested? How is it manifested? And you know, this is the disignability podcast. How has it gotten in the way of whether it be something you wanted to do, something you want to accomplish, a goal, or your relationships? How has that anxiety and not facing it head on been a hurdle? And how did you move through those times when it really became a barrier? Wow, that's a great question. It started out with a lot of negative self-talk. So, you know, I think everybody's experience is different. So I know that this is very unique to me, but, um, you know, starting at 19, it was a lot of negative self-talk like, well, you know, you can't, you can't follow through with anything. You know, you go out there to be a music major and look, you're, you're failing at that or, you know, and you start to tell yourself this narrative and that you're unworthy, that no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to accomplish your goals. And you just get stuck in this cycle. And that cycle stayed with me until my early 20s because I wasn't addressing it. I was self-medicating with alcohol. And that will, you know, immediately start to tear away at your relationships, whether it's family, friends, relationships. And so when I finally um, got medical help and got on medication, I was able to take a step back and really work on that negative self-talk and, you know, ask myself, you know, are, what proof do you have that you're so bad? You know, I would try to change the narrative in my head. And so I would say that, you know, that's the way it first manifested as, you know, my life continued I was able to manage my anxiety pretty well until COVID-19. I had had a medical crisis um, several years ago uh, where I was hospitalized um, due to respiratory failure. Mm -hmm. And so when there's a pandemic that is happening that is causing very similar symptoms that could possibly kill me, I immediately started going down the rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I'm going to get sick. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not, you know, and mm -hmm. that anxiety started to take over my life. And it got to the point where, you know, once a lot of the restrictions lifted and I was back at work, I was still very anxious all the time, not necessarily about COVID, but just in general. And it started affecting me where I struggled to get out of bed. I struggled to connect with friends and family, uh, to return text messages or phone calls. And I struggled at work. Um, I didn't have the, the patience that I normally did for, you know, solving problems with people. And it was hard for me to face these people when my brain is going, you know, a thousand different directions at once. And that's when I reached out to my current therapist and she has helped me tremendously. And I, you know, I started doing more positive self-talk. I started reading books that um, I could relate to that would calm my nerves. Um, I started studying stoicism and a combination of those things changed my life. And I was able to kind of turn the obstacle of anxiety disorder into a path where I could recognize that in my coworkers and be able to help them. But it's, it's something that, you know, I, 
I, I'll never be cured of. And it's something yeah. that I'll have to fight through every day. Yeah. I had a therapist, you know, a few years, a few years ago I, that I saw after my, my mother passed away. One of the things that I'm very grateful to that therapist for is he enabled me to change my thinking and my mindset about anxiety because anxiety is one of those things where it doesn't feel good to be in that place. It, it And so we try to shove it away. We try to push it away. We try to stuff it. We're like, I don't like feeling this way. So I'm going to do everything I can to pretend it doesn't exist and try to push it away. And the more that we do that, the more it grows yes. and it just increases and it gets worse and worse and worse. And what he, how he explained it was anxiety is there to protect us. It's that fight or flight instinct that there's a bear right, you know, a hundred feet away from us. And so that anxiety gives us that uh, extra boost that we need to get the heck out of here or that bear's going to eat us. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, and that's what anxiety is. And so, you know, from a evolutionary standpoint, anxiety makes sense, you know, but the issue is that these days, the things that makes us anxious aren't seen. Yes. It's exactly. not that they're, it's not that they're imaginary. It's just, it's not a bear. It's something like COVID or it's something like, you know, for, for me personally, like uh, there's going to be a large crowd of, of people and I'm not going to be able to see them. And I am going to be bumping into people and they're going to be bumping into me. And it, it's like you said, it's this rabbit hole of thinking. That's just this cycle of negativity that you get stuck on. And so the anxiety takes hold of you and because it feels awful, you try to push it away. And the more you do that, it just grows and grows and grows because we're not addressing it. This therapist did is he said, instead of tr ever trying to shove anxiety away, acknowledging it and saying, hi, you know, here's the hello anxiety. I see you there. You're there. Let's assess what the threat is. And is the threat real or is it, am I going to be okay? Is, am I actually in danger and what is the danger and the more you do that and the more you actually face that anxiety and address it and obtain tools to deal with it it never goes away like you said it's always it's there but it doesn't have to be debilitating that is so true and it doesn't have to be and like you were talking about with your therapist i mean that's a great tool and it's true you know we have this fight or flight response and a bear is something palpable, like it re it will be resolved whether he eats you mm -hmm. or you escape. Yeah, well, you know, one, way escape, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one way or another, it's going to be resolved. Exactly. It's going to end. But when you're dealing with um, thoughts like, you know, oh, COVID's going to kill me or all these people are going to bump into me and, you know, I'm going to feel unsafe. Those aren't palpable where you can reach out and touch it and you know that there's a beginning and an end mm -hmm. so like you said it just continues and continues and until you're able to address what that trigger was you know because it's not a bear mm -hmm. you know you're, you're not going to be able to get away from that and yeah. some advice my therapist gave me was we have these protectors they're just parts of ourselves and you know anxiety is a protector and she has me imagine anxiety as kind of a character. Mm -hmm. And I imagine myself confronting this character and saying, hey, 
what is it, you know, first of all, thank you for protecting me, but what is it that makes you feel like you need to fight right now and that you need to protect me? What's the danger? Exactly. What is the danger? And so many times you find out, well, okay, there really isn't a danger. It's your idea of the danger. Yeah. And, but it's, you know, it's so much easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. 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 It it is not easy to do. You know, uh, one of the ways that not to catastrophize anything, but what's the worst that could happen in in these sort of situations with the bear? The worst that could happen is you get eaten. Yeah. (laughs) The worst that could get happen is, you know, we'll, we'll use my social anxiety well, the worst that can happen is I'll be okay. I'm going to live. I'll survive. I'll be all right. It might be, it might be embarrassing. It might be uncomfortable, but there are things that I can do to mitigate all of the things that are causing the anxiety. And by looking at it and facing it, it makes it so that it's manageable versus it being debilitating. Because I think I think I told you when I started flying after my after I had my vision loss, I, if I went to the airport, I would throw up. Oh yeah, I remember and that. It was it was awful, and that's not that's not good. And like just going through TSA was almost unbearable because it caused me to just feel like I was having a heart attack. And yeah. now I. It, it, it's not that way. I, I love to travel I've, and I always have. And so that knowing that that level of anxiety was present was getting in the way of something I really genuinely love to do. And that wasn't going to, that wasn't going to fly. But um, um, <laughs> <laughs> something that, that popped in my head when you were talking earlier is the correlation between anxiety and depression, that anxiety can lead to being withdrawn and all kinds of other, you know, antisocial behaviors and, and and other things. And then because human beings are social creatures, when we withdraw, that tends to lead to, you know, depression and other sorts of mental health issues. And I know mine are very much tied together. Absolutely. Um, I... I didn't realize it for the longest time. I thought, oh, I just have anxiety. And that's the opposite of depression. So I don't have to worry about being depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they're they're not um they're not opposite of each other at all. They're very interconnected. And you know, I had never suffered from depression until COVID-19. And, you know, by nature, I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love peopling. And when my anxiety took over to the point where it was just debilitating to want to even leave the house, I became very withdrawn and very by myself. And um, that started to lead to depression. And I didn't recognize it at the time, but I just, I remember feeling like everything was, took so much effort. Like Mm -hmm. I was moving through molasses every minute of my life. Yeah. And that's, that's very, almost identical to how I describe depression. It's like everything is in slow motion. Yeah. And no matter how hard you try, it doesn't make a difference. And my, how my anxiety plays off of that is it just is, it's just this spiral to where I get anxious about the depression and then the depression leads to more anxiety and it just, it's this cycle. And one of the things that I think 
therapy or seeing, you know, seeing a professional that is uh, equipped to handle those, those types of things, it can get you off of that cycle because you're able to interrupt it and recognize, Hey, wait a second. I know what this feels like. I know what this cycle is like, and I don't want to do it. And so what my therapist is, you know, they've given me is tools to get off that ride. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. It's like a ride. You're on this or, um, a it's like, it's a ground. small world or yeah, yeah. it's a small world. <laughs> I know some people love that ride, but that's what it is to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, okay, get me off. It's time. And so it's like, I want off this ride, but it's, and one of the reasons that, you know, I, I wanted to have this conversation here on this podcast is because it can be debilitating when you're in that cycle, because if you're withdrawn and you're, you don't want to be around people, it can lead to getting in the way of your own success, your dreams, your, what you want to accomplish with your own life. And it, while it may not be a quote unquote disability, it is debilitating. Yes, exactly. And, and it can also be a disability too. I don't want to play it down, you know, cause if, you know, for there, there have been times in my own life when I was in the bout of, of, of heavy, heavy depression, going, working wasn't an option. Because, I remember that. And it's, and it's, it, and that's, I think it's important to have those conversations to where people are like, wait a second, it, it is not made up. It's not somebody just being sad. And I think that's a common misconception when it comes to depression. Depression is not being sad. It is a state of mind where you just can't see the light. That is so true. I think that exactly it's a state of mind, you and, know, and yeah. it's not temporary. It's not fleeting all the mm -hmm. time. You know, like you can be sad about an event. Yeah. You can be anxious about an event. Yeah. But when it's always, when it's always present, that's something completely different because yeah. then you're working with energy. Like how much energy do I have to give to this situation? And you have to, you start cutting things out like work, socializing, because it's taking everything you've got just to function through the day. Yeah. Just to get up, takes yeah. all the bandwidth you have and the, you know, and, and I could only speak for myself and how it, how it manifests. It's not that I don't know that there's joy and happiness and that all that other stuff exists. I know it's there, but it's impossible to find. That's exactly. And, exactly. and that's, and that's all. And that's what of I think for me personally, that's one of the things that is so horrible about it. It's not that you don't know that joy and happiness and that, that it's there. It's just, it's, it, it takes more effort and more energy than you have to get it. Yeah. It's, it's like, we were just talking about walking through molasses yeah. and it takes a lot of effort to, to move like that. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, you know, in the, you know, the, how it's viewed socially is, you know, that the misconception that, you know, being depressed is being sad or you know, any, anything like that, that they're, they're interchangeable leads to a lack of empathy and a lack of compassion for people that are suffering. Yeah. And yeah. And when you, when you feel like, you know what, what's the point of getting up? Cause you know, it's not going to be better. And then what you 
hear or see or what the, the what you're getting out there in, in the universe is, ah, well, you're just sad, get over it. Exactly. It's it's the conversation like, oh, you need to toughen up. Yeah. Yeah. And when yeah. it's and when you're it's, it's already taking everything you have just to get up. It, that it's okay that it's normal that for that to happen sometimes you know especially you know uh, mental illness tends to can often be especially depression can sometimes be hereditary i know puns in my family mm-hmm. um Me too. and with when we don't have these conversations you know whether it be parents with their kids or just openly um in society saying you know what it's 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 okay if you have depression it's okay if you have anxiety but go seek help Exactly. And, you know, I think we all need to realize we're in this together. Yes. Our society is very individualistic and that's not human nature. You know, we're, we need each other. And I think that if people felt more comfortable reaching out and saying, Hey, I can't do this today. I need help. I'm struggling. You know, it would, we all need to realize that we're all struggling in some form or fashion. And if we're more open to communication and to talking about this, we'll be able to help each other tremendously. This concludes part one of my conversation with April Alexander. And I hope you'll tune into our part two, where we will conclude our conversation on this very important topic about mental health and how it intersects with disability. So this has been the Dissing My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker. Please share, like, and subscribe. And as always, please be kind to yourself and to others. Thank you.